Begin reading again in verse 12. We'll read verses 12 through 17. Romans 8, verses 12 through 17. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him, in order that we may also be glorified with Him. We have spent several weeks and several messages looking at what verse 15 means when it says that we have received the spirit of adoption as sons. We have marveled at the reality that God has adopted us through Christ. This morning we looked at some of the responsibilities that come along with being God's children. And tonight we want to end this study by considering the implications for us when it comes to the orphans of the world around us. How should Christians relate to the millions of boys and girls around the world who have no mom and no dad and are waiting for loving parents and a loving family? Now this sermon tonight will actually be a sermonette. That is, I'm only going to preach about half the time that I normally do. But then what I want to do is I want to close our time by reading an appeal to you. And this is an appeal that was written by an adopted young man who now works with orphans himself as he pleads with us to consider the orphans of our own state and um, ask us to think about these children that need to be loved. And so what you're going to have is my sermon and then you'll have the young man's appeal. So first, the sermon. And what I want to do is give you briefly six truths that I think are um, faithful application of Romans 8.15 to us as we think about the needs of orphans in the world. So six truths of application from Romans 8.15 to this issue. Uh, First, there are orphans in this world who need to be adopted. There are orphans in this world who need to be adopted. One aspect of the fall and the curse on this world is that there are children who lose their parents. Some parents die. Others sinfully neglect and forsake their children. Others find themselves forcefully separated from their children. Orphans have been and will continue to be a reality in this world in which we live. Here are a few statistics from the Congressional Coalition on Adoption. As best as we can estimate, there are 17.9 million orphans who have lost both parents 
and are living in orphanages or on the streets and lack the care and the attention required for healthy development. Uh, Many, many more children have lost one parent or have lost both parents and have found someone who will care for them. Uh, Many are in foster care. 17.9 million does not include those who are in foster care. These are 17.9 million is the number of orphans around the world who are not in a place where they are receiving adequate care. They are either on their own or in an orphanage. Americans adopt around 9,000 children each year. So there are 17.9 million in the world, not including foster care, and Americans adopt around 9,000 each year. That is five hundredths of 1%. So Americans adopt each year a drop in the bucket of the number of children who need families. Certainly there are other people and other nations who adopt as well, But the number uh, globally that are adopted each year is tiny compared to the number of orphans. Children who are raised in orphanages are much more likely than their peers to suffer all sorts of developmental issues. Children raised in orphanages on average score 20 points lower on IQ tests than children raised in families. In the U.S., there are 400,540 children living without permanent families in the foster care system. So there's 17.9 million orphans in the world, and then in the U.S., there's another more than 400,000 living in foster homes. Uh, Children in the foster care system are often bounced from home to home and have no permanent mom or dad. And we've all heard stories of abuse within that system. And so there is the need. Second, Christians should lead the way in adoption. Christians should lead the way in adoption. Why do I say that? Three reasons. First, Christians should lead the way in adoption because we are all adopted. There is something special about having been adopted ourselves that should move us to have a special compassion for those who are in need of adoption. It is no accident that it is often those very adults who were adopted as children themselves who find themselves eager to adopt children as they get older. Uh, Many of you will think of uh, Dave Thomas, the founder of Wendy's, and uh, how he was adopted as a child and how that moved him to create his foundation for adoption as an adult and uh, how he had a heart for children in need. There is something about having been adopted yourself that causes you to have a heart for others that have that need. Oh, dear Christian, the more we learn from the Bible about our own adoption, the more we begin to see ourselves as we really are adopted children of God, the more our hearts should resonate with the plight of the orphan. Our own adoption should compel us towards concern for parentless children. Second, Christians should lead the way in adoption because of our pro-life stance. Our pro-life stance. We are against abortion. We grieve over the reality that millions of babies have their lives ended every year through abortion. 
And surely part of our efforts to see abortions end must include supporting the practice of adoption. What a difference it makes when we can say to a mother that even though she may not want her child, there are others who do. What a difference it makes when we can provide an, op- an adoption alternative to those who are considering an abortion. Third, Christians should lead the way in adoption because it is a tremendous way that we can display the love of God to a watching world. What an incredible opportunity to show people the love of a gracious, providing, protecting, caring Heavenly Father in a way that people can see than to be a picture of that towards a child here on earth. Uh, Think about the joy of imitating your God and being able to display some of His attributes to a precious boy or girl. Godliness is God-likeness. And here is an opportunity for us to be like God, a way that matures us and blesses others. Well, here's my third truth of application, and it's this. Some Christians should adopt. Some Christians should adopt. Uh, That is, in the church of Christ, there should be some who actively work to take in one or more orphan boys and girls and adopt them as their own children. And I would suggest that the healthier the church of Christ is, the more that Christians understand and love their own adoption, the more of this we should expect to see. It is a cold, complacent, unholy church They can see millions of orphan boys and girls in need and yet refuse to care for them. Now, God gifts his people in different ways. We are one body, but we play different roles in the body. There are some Christians who are better positioned for adoption than others. A Christian couple whose marriage is rocky or struggling or is in need of much work is not in a good place to adopt. A Christian couple where one or both of the spouses are dealing with serious medical issues may not be an appropriate situation in which to adopt a child. But there are many Christian couples with children of their own or without children of their own who situationally are in a good place to adopt. More than that, though there are some members of Christ's church that that seem to have a particular giftedness There are, sorry, more than that, there are some members of Christ's church who are particularly gifted when it comes to loving, welcoming, and caring for children. Uh, There are certain dads who love their children but don't particularly relate well to kids in general. And then there are other dads who just love being with children. And the same is true for moms. Uh, There are some people who just seem more characteristically gifted for adoption than others. Now, nobody is perfect. There is no perfect situation for adoption, and there is no perfect couple. So it is important for us to realize that if it is God's will for his church to be an adopting people, he is going to equip and he is going to gift and raise up some of his own people for that purpose. And so we should pray about this. We should all examine our lives and assess our own situations. 
I don't think we should expect some mystical voice to speak to us out of the sky to tell us that we should adopt. Rather, I think we should assume that this is the kind of thing that God would have his people do, and we should see whether we have good and wise reasons not to. Could it be that some of us in here could have the joy and the privilege of this sanctifying experience, this wonderful experience of adoption? Some Christians should adopt. Number four, some Christians should help others adopt. Recognizing that adoption is not for every Christian or even every Christian couple. We should not take this to mean that there is no role for non-adopting Christians to play when it comes to caring for orphans. Just as God gives some couples to be better suited for adoption, he also gives others in his church with the means to help others adopt. Um, This is particularly true when it comes to finances. It may be that one couple in the church is at a place where they have the heart and the eagerness and the willingness to adopt a child, but they do not have the money. Another church may not be able or willing to adopt, but has the financial means to help the other couple. The truth is, it is very expensive to adopt. And usually those who are seeking to adopt are younger couples, not yet as financially stable as they will be later on in their lives. And so it often takes churches coming together, brothers and sisters in Christ coming together to help a family adopt. Besides the financial help, there are often many trials that come with adopting a child. Often an an adopting couple will need emotional support, words of encouragement, practical support, and many, many prayers. Uh, Perhaps you are at a place where uh, you can say, "It's, it's not wise for me to adopt. And perhaps you don't even have the financial means to have someone else adopt. But at the very least, you might be able to practically help an adopting family whether it's offering to babysit or sending a letter of encouragement or spending time with them and praying for them. In this way, we ought all to try and have a role in this great ministry of adoption. Number five, all Christians should be concerned for the widows and the orphans in their midst. And with this point, I am no longer thinking particularly of those in need outside of our church. But I'm thinking about the special occasions that can occur where you have orphans and widows inside your own church family. James 1.27 says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. This verse recognizes that among God's people, there will be times when some in our own midst find themselves in need due to the loss of family members. Orphans have lost their parents. Widows have lost their husbands. In the first century, to be either an orphan or a widow often placed you in danger of poverty and great need. You had to depend on the kindness of others just to survive. The Apostle James tells us that true religion that is pure before God will include these two qualities a commitment to helping those in need, and a commitment to staying free from worldliness. Mount Hermon, one mark of whether or not we truly know Christ at all is this. How do we respond 
when someone in our own church family suddenly finds themselves in great need? Are we allowing any of the widows of our church to continue in need? Should there ever be a day when, God forbid, we have children in this church without parents? Will we be quick to make sure that they are cared for? Think about this often. Should, should Crystal and I die in a car accident tomorrow, could we be sure that even if our blood relatives failed us, our church family would make sure that our boys were taken in by a godly family? Do other parents in this room, do they have that confidence in us that we are going to care for the widows and the orphans in our midst? Finally, the sixth truth for application is this one. All Christians should eagerly welcome adopted children when they come into our families. You see, sometimes we hear stories of Christian families who do adopt children, and then their adopted children are treated differently by the extended family than their biological children. Sometimes we hear of grandparents or aunts or uncles who aren't as quick to welcome or to show affection to adopted children as they are towards other children in the family. This happens most often when the adopted children are of a different race, a different skin color, a different ethnicity from the rest of the family. But dear friends, the Bible teaches us that you and I through adoption have entered into the very love that God the Father has for His Son. It's almost unbelievable, but listen to these words of Jesus. Jesus is praying, John 17, beginning in verse 22, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you love me. Is that last part not astounding to you? Jesus says that God has taken something of the kind of love that he has for Jesus, in a sense his biological son, and has taken that same kind of love and put it on us, his adopted children. This is how we ought to treat any adopted children who come into our families. Moreover, God's family is a racially mixed family. God's family is an ethnically mixed family. When you were adopted by God, it isn't as if you fit in with the Father and the Son. They are divine. You are not. They are pure and perfect, holy and transcendent, having existed from all eternity. You are none of these things. You're the oddball in the family. And yet, God continues to love you as His own child. So as Christians, should our grown children or others in our families adopt children, we should be the first to welcome those children and to love them and accept them, to show them the same kind of love that we would show to anyone else in our families. There should be no partiality between biological children and adopted children when it comes to the way we treat those in our families. So there are my six points of application for you to pray over and think over. Number one, there are children in the world who need to be adopted. Number two, Christians should lead the way in adoption. Number three, some Christians should adopt. Number four, some Christians should help others adopt. Number five, all Christians should care for the widows and orphans in their midst. And number six, all Christians should eagerly welcome adopted children when they come into their families.
Now that's my sermonette. Now I want to read to you an appeal uh, from a man named Bill. And uh, it's more than an appeal. It's it's something of a testimony uh, from this man. Uh, Bill was adopted as a child. And what I'm about to read is something that he published back in October. Um, I want to warn you up front that his appeal is a little bit more strongly worded than I would have worded it. But that's because he is speaking as a child who was an orphan himself and as a child who works every day with orphans. And so this is um, heavy upon him. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I do hope you'll listen carefully to what, what I am going to read. Here's what Bill wrote. 30 years. 30 years. It's most of my life, but for me it represents something big. 30 years is an anniversary for me. 30 years ago, I was hungry. I was thirsty. And I needed clothes. Missing from my life were the fundamental things that children need. An older couple, previously living a normal American life, stepped into my situation and gave me those things that I most desperately needed. Food, clothes, a home, Love, and most importantly, Jesus. My two older sisters and I were abandoned by our biological parents. I don't remember how old I was because I don't remember a time when they were there. What we knew was what it was like to be hungry, dirty, cold, and without clothes or blankets. We were left in our apartment by ourselves all day and all night, every day and every night. I remember my five-year-old sister making us popcorn. I remember climbing on the counters to find peanut butter above the refrigerator. I remember being so hungry that I ate dog food out of a garbage can outside. I remember being scared at night when I saw shadows in the window. And I remember having no one to tell me that it was okay or that I was safe. I remember my five-year-old sister filling the bathtub and giving us baths She was responsible for her two younger siblings. I remember picking up the phone and pressing numbers until the operator answered and asked if I was okay. I told her I was looking for my mom. Thirty years, and today the memories are still very real. I also remember the day that my life changed forever. I was only four, but the memory of those two men coming to us and asking us where our parents were is vivid to me. The men waited all day with us until someone contacted our mom and she returned home late that evening. The men told us that we had to go with them. We cried because we were afraid. and We loved our mom. For three weeks we lived with a very unkind foster family. My memories of this time are blurry, but I remember being quickly removed from that foster family, looking out the window of the car, wondering where we might be going next when we arrived at our next foster home we were greeted by an older woman who smiled and spoke kindly to us her house was on the bay and i looked out the dining room window staring at the water marveling at her beautiful home the woman led each of us to our rooms i was so excited to have my own room later that evening when her husband came home we went shopping for clothes and for shoes we had come with nothing I remember getting home from the shopping trip and sitting on the bedroom floor in front of my closet that now had clothes and shoes. Thirty years, and I still remember the excitement of having clothes. 
At the time, this family only had a small two-door pickup truck. But that weekend, they went and they bought a new car to accommodate my sisters and me. Though I didn't understand it at the time, as I grew, I began to understand the love that moved them to purchase a new car just so that they could care for us, when before that, we didn't even have food. I could tell there was something different about these people. I am told that we used to thank them profusely for every meal and that we would always ask them after we were done eating when we would eat again. We spent a wonderful year with that family, growing, learning, and being loved. And after a year, our biological family's rights were terminated and we were placed for adoption. My foster parents asked if the three of us would be adopted together or if we would be broken up into multiple families. When they were told that we would probably be broken up, my foster parents, ages 60 and 64, said they would not let it happen. And they chose... I read this five times. It hadn't happened yet till now. They chose to adopt us. They chose us. They loved us. They wanted us. 30 years, and I remember this. I am very excited that there is a very large adoption movement happening. And the stories are incredible. I am blown away by the mountains that God moves for families to adopt. But most of the stories are not from the adoptee's perspective. Most of the time I get the impression that once the child gets a family, they are loved and their problems are over. But nothing could be farther from the truth. Adoption is beautiful. And adoption is broken. It is from a broken place that children and adults who were adopted come from. We have many issues, some of which will never go away no matter how wonderful our family is. We all have stories and we've gone through a lot and we all process our adoption experience differently. I and other children who were adopted have experienced trauma and for one reason or another we've lost our parents. In addition to this loss, we often come with troubled histories and difficult circumstances. Most of us don't even want to talk about them. The ones that God gave to us are gone and we are often left to face this ugly world alone. We are going to have problems and issues to overcome, and this is not a maybe. It is a fact. And I'm writing this to tell you that you, as a believer, have the answer for us. We need you to teach us about love. We need you to teach us to forgive. We need you to bring us to the one who can heal us. We need God to help us learn how to live and cope with the aftermath and destruction that sin left behind. God sent his own son to earth to die on the cross and pour out his blood so that our sins could be forgiven. We come to God with nothing, much like I came as a small boy 30 years ago. We raise our hands on Sundays and we sing songs and we thank God for including us, adopting us into his family. But we aren't all called to adopt children who have lost parents and are broken from no fault of their own. Is this not contrary to the gospel in which we believe? Think about that for a second. We say, thank you, God, for adopting me, but sorry, my home is not open to a broken child. How can any Christian hold that double standard? Look around you. There are hungry, hurting four-year-olds in your own backyard. Some of them are in homes that the government has placed them in, and they are being hurt there even more. I have heard so many times after sharing my story in Africa and in Asia 
I had no idea that things like that happened in America. With our big houses, our big cars, our venti lattes, and our massive churches, we have fooled the world. Indeed, we've even fooled ourselves. I'm going to be critical of the church for not stepping up and taking on the responsibility that God has given to us. I'm going to be critical from the perspective of a four-year-old boy who has been there personally. As believers, our new nature should be love, and not in words, but in action. I think all believers would say we love the children in the foster care system, or we love orphans. But it's easy to see that it isn't the truth. Because look at how many of those children need adopted in your own state. And then tell me the church is full of love for these children. How many pastors, elders, deacons, or church members are involved in the foster care system in your church? How many of them are adopting? And is this really love? That four-year-old boy who has become a man despises the phrase, I am not called, because that four-year-old boy hears the words, I do not want you. Nowhere did God say it's a calling. Look at the numbers in the foster care system. Look at the numbers of Christians in each state. It would take a very, very small percentage of Christians in each state to foster or adopt, to place a child in a Christian home where they can receive the things they really need. And that would be love. Most married couples have biological children. They trust God for wisdom on how to love, teach, and nurture their children with no other guarantee of what problems they might face in the future with that child, medically, emotionally, physically. Yet over and over again, we hear the excuse that adopted and foster children just have too many problems. Why can't we not trust this same God with the future of adopted children as we do with our own children? Thirty years ago, I was abandoned, hungry, cold, and I did not understand love. Two of the most unlikely people saved me from the wreck that I was and brought me to the one who could heal me. They were far from perfect, but they gave me what I needed to be whole again. They gave me Jesus. God is restoring what sin destroyed in my life. And by God's grace, I stand now as a husband and the father of two amazing adopted daughters, the son of both my parents and a king, a friend of many, and as a brother to many who are broken and who are able to identify with me because of what God has done. Church, arise, go, and be love. Now, Mount Hermon, as I said at the beginning, I, his appeal is a little bit more strong than I, than I would have said it. But I do think we need to live in the joy of our own adoption, and I do think we need to consider how our own adoption should affect the way we look at those boys and girls in the foster care system and living on the streets around the world. So I leave us with that. Let's pray.